And this morning, I wanted to share some thoughts about having a hunger and a thirst for God. So having a spiritual hunger and a spiritual thirst that creates uh, for us as followers of Jesus an ongoing uh, passion and an ongoing desire for more of God's presence and for more of God's spirit in our lives. Because who, who knows, we could always use a little bit more of God's presence and God's uh, spirit in our lives. You know, hunger and thirst uh, is naturally expressed through uh, the basic human need of food and water. And so that's a concept uh, that we all understand. And in certain cultures, uh, mine included, and in certain communities, uh, we don't just need to eat, uh, but we love to eat. So it means that we don't just eat because we're hungry, but we just eat because we love food. Anyone else sharing that experience within their culture? Or, uh, and, and we know that here at Shurelan, we always love to eat food. Uh, you know, our girls uh, just yesterday... Uh, when they finished lunch, they said to me, you know, they'd literally just finished their sandwiches, put their plates on the, on the table, and they said to me, Daddy, can we have a snack now? <laughs> and, you know, like a broken record, uh, they went throughout the whole day asking, can we have a snack now? Can we have a snack now? And it's, it happens frequently. Is it just kids? Is it any kids who do that or just our kids? Maybe it's every kid. So they were just uh, constantly asking for food and if they could have a snack. And Debbie and I know very well that, uh, well, one, we know very well that they're not starving. And we know that they're not hungry. They're just eating because they like food. So these are kids who watch uh, MasterChef Junior. They're kids who watch uh, all your cooking programs. They watch Top Chef. Uh, they, they are kids who love to be in the kitchen. Uh, it, uh, I love that they want to be in the kitchen because by the time they know how to cook, it's going to be great. I'll put them on the cooking roster and we'll give them a day to cook dinner. I'm not so sure about their critiquing of the cooking that they're getting at the moment from watching all these programs. So, you know, they'll sit there and have their dinner and then they'll be like, oh, could you use a little bit more seasoning in this? And uh, there's, there's no crunch element to this meal. And it's like, what are these kids on? But they love to eat. And so they're feeding their natural sense of hunger and their natural sense of thirst. You know, one of the clear indicators for Debbie and I uh, to kind of work out when something's wrong with our girls, one of the ways that we know that they're not quite right or they may be sick or feeling under the weather is that they lose their appetite. So they eat, they eat, they eat, they eat, they eat, and then all of a sudden they're not hungry. And for us, it's an indicator that something's not quite right uh, with them. And I think that we've probably all experienced that at some point in our lives where we're, we're feeling sick, where our body's trying to tell us something's not quite right, and even though we need to eat, even though we love to eat, we just can't eat, or we just don't feel like eating. And so you see the same principle that applies in the natural also applies in the spiritual. Of the God who created us both body, mind, and spirit, the same 
principle applies. Have you ever heard people saying that they feel completely empty inside? Successful people, elite sports people at the top of their game, famous artists, the rich and the wealthy, people who by society's standards have everything that everyone else wants, yet within themselves admit to feeling completely empty, lost and lonely. And it's not just an issue for the rich and the famous. It's an issue that everyone encounters because we're all spiritual beings. And the God who created us built this inbuilt hunger for a spiritual relationship with him. He created us with an inbuilt hunger for a spiritual relationship with him. There's a void in the human heart that screams to be filled. And that void can only be filled by God. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, we read, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. So like we experience with our physical bodies, we lose our appetite for the presence of God. And that becomes an indicator that something's not quite right in our spirit. You know, humanity's biggest challenge is that because our natural hunger is such a basic principle to our being, because we understand that we hunger and we thirst and then we have to feed our bodies, and because we've got, become so accustomed to feeding that hunger with junk and with food that's not good for our physical bodies, we do the same thing in the spirit. And many find other ways to spiritually fill the void that God alone can fill. And those things that aren't of God, those things that are used to fill the void in our hearts, a void that's only for God to fill, the more we fill that void with the things that aren't of God, the more we dull our hunger and our thirst for God. We see it all around society, all around the world, as people look for happiness and fulfillment in areas except for their relationship with God. Looking for it in another relationship with a person, looking for it in their quest for power or in their quest for money, looking for it in an escape, uh, some sort of escape in physical pleasures and earthly pleasures and addictions. And so the question for us this morning is how is your appetite for the Spirit of God? That's the first question. And then the second one is just as important. How much do you want to hunger and thirst 
for God this year? How is your appetite for the Spirit of God? I guess an assessment of where things are at. And then how much do you want to hunger and thirst for God this year? I guess a question that will lead you to take action. You know, Matthew 5, verse 6, a verse we know well, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. What an awesome promise Jesus gives us that if we hunger for thirst and thirst for righteousness, that we will be filled. You know, all throughout Scripture, there's the imagery and this, this imagery and this concept of hungering and thirsting after God is present. Right from the Old Testament prophets who talked about having this hunger and thirst for God through to Jesus who talked about it right to the end in the book of Revelations where it says that those who hungered and thirst for God will enter into the kingdom. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so we see uh, that the people of God are seen right throughout Scripture to have developed a desire for Him. Developing a hunger for God. Ben Patterson writes this. He says, Since the best teacher of prayer is the Holy Spirit, the best way to learn to pray is by praying. Whether and how much we pray is a matter of appetite and of hunger for God. Now, I think that the church's hunger for God himself is an important concept to look at. And my hope is that uh, we're able to apply some stuff into our lives this morning that will allow us to grow and lead us to a passionate pursuit of God. Because I know that I, for one, want to be chasing God's presence passionately. I want to be seeing God move in power over my life. I want to see God's anointing on my life, not just for me, but to impact the people that I do life with throughout the week. Amen? So if you're taking notes this morning, your first point for growing your hunger after God is to seek God for more. We often talk about seeking God. We often talk about seeking after God's presence. But this morning, we're talking about seeking God for more. Like I said with our girls, they're always asking for more food. And I guess because I'm their dad, they just expect me to give it to them. Well, that doesn't always work, but hey. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 and 14, it says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. Now, I believe we need to seek God confidently for more of his spirit. Not for more of what we want from God, but for more of His Spirit, for more of His anointing over our lives, for more of His presence. Not 
because we want, not necessarily because we want him just to do stuff for us. Actually, not because we want him to do stuff for us, but just because we want to grow our relationship with him. Because we want to grow more and more in our love for him. Seek God for more. You know, in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, we read about Elijah. And it's uh, the story of when God's going to take Elijah into heaven. And so God says to Elijah, oh, come on, come, come and meet me over in, uh, in Bethel. It's time for you to come home. And Elijah tells Elisha, his servant, he says to Elisha, you stay here. I'm about to go and uh, meet with the Lord. And Elisha says, no. He says, as long as you live and the Lord lives, I will not leave you. And it's quite a funny story when you read it because Elisha says no, and then Elijah says, okay, well, let's go. And they go to Bethel, and they hang out there, and then Elisha gets told to move on to somewhere else, and Elijah, and Elijah says, okay, well, Elisha, you stay here, and I'm going to go there to meet God. And Elisha says again, he says, no, as long as you live and as long as the Lord lives, I'm going to go with you. And so some prophets come to Elisha, and they say, you know that Elijah's going to be taken away from you, to be taken by God. And so Elisha, being the good service he, servant he is, he says, oh, I know that. Just make it happen quicker. And then it goes again. Elijah says, uh, Elijah has to move on again. And he says to Elisha, Elisha, you wait here, and I'm going to go and, see, and meet God. And Elisha says, no, as long as God lives and as long as you live, I will go with you. And another set of prophets come along and say, you know that Elijah's going to be taken by God. And Elisha says, I know. Just make it happen quicker. You'd think that Elisha's wanting Elijah gone sooner. And so they go around on this journey three times. They have this conversation. And then they come to a place in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9 where we read this, it says, so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, remember, this is after three times Elijah has told Elisha to, go, to stay put and Elisha has said no. It's after three times saying to Elijah, no, I'm not staying put, that they arrived to this point. And Elisha says to him, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Big ask. Elisha wanted more. He wanted a double portion of everything Elijah had. A double portion of the spirit that was upon him, a double portion of the anointing that was upon Elijah. And Elisha saw everything um, that was going on in Elijah's ministry. So he knew what he was asking for. And Elijah responds in the next verse by saying, you have asked a difficult thing. Now he said that not because it was impossible, but because Elijah knew that with great anointing came a great weight of responsibility 
and difficulty. So when we ask, and when we begin to ask God for more, we need to also understand that it comes with more responsibility and more difficulty. The great thing about it is that it also comes with the greatest blessings of seeing more of God at work in our lives. It comes with the blessing of seeing God operating at a new level over our lives. Second point this morning is to seek God wholeheartedly. And this one's, no, I find this one always easier to say than it is to do, to seek God wholeheartedly. You know, when we seek God for a greater anointing and for greater things in the new seasons that are ahead of us, and then God answers, you know, our response, I believe, should be to devote ourselves wholeheartedly to what God has gifted us and to what God has given us. Because that helps us to grow in the spirit. That helps us to grow in faith. It helps us to grow in love. And it helps us to grow in our hunger. You know, Elisha was committed, completely and totally committed to his calling and his service of Elijah. The Bible tells us that when Elisha was called to join Elijah, uh, he was a young man and he left the family farm business completely to serve Elijah. It was all or nothing for Elisha. Like the Warriors this year, it was all in. I think that's the Warriors slogan this year, isn't it? But it was all or nothing for Elisha, which demonstrates Elisha's wholeheartedness for serving Elijah and for serving God. Now, seeking God wholeheartedly creates a hunger and a thirst to see more of God's spirit and more of God's transforming power at work in our lifetime and through our lives. Now, Jesus says in John 7, verse 37 and 38, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Wow, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. How cool is that? You know, my hope is that as we hunger and thirst for God, in the coming days, weeks, months, years, Decades, centuries, anyone going to last another century? Centuries. But my hope is that in the coming days that we'll experience from our hearts a river of living water, a river of God's spirit, a river of God's presence that brings forth for us fresh revelation, that brings forth for us fresh anointing from heaven that flows from us into the world that God has called us to live in. Now, this passage is telling us that we can have living water from God flowing from our hearts and flowing through our lives. 
Have a think about that thought. It's a river that draws people because it's a river that breathes life and hope into people. And it's a river that the world needs more and more now. God's Spirit just flowing. God's Spirit moving. God's Spirit at work. And then our final point this morning is a little bit different. Point number three is to be humble to receive. Humility is a key to receiving from God. And humility comes before honor, comes before riches. You know, it's normal for people in every area and every walk of life to want more of what someone else has got. To want more of what someone else is carrying. The way that Elisha in this story wanted more of what Elijah carried. But when Elijah said that he had asked for a difficult thing, it was because Elijah realized Elisha was asking without fully understanding the trials the failures, the obstacles, and the sacrifices that Elijah had to make to become who he was. So often we can see people and want to be like them. We can see character and want to be that, like that character. We can see gifting and want to be like that gifting without realizing what people went through in order to be crafted by God into that person. You know, I have a pastor friend who is pretty well known right across the world for the work that he's done in worship. He's now a, a pastor at one of the biggest churches here in Auckland. But he was a well-known musician. He was a well-known producer. And to this day, he travels constantly to work with worship teams. And I remember when we were sitting around uh, at a festival and just talking, when he kind of mentioned maybe out of frustration that there are all these people that wanted to be just like him. They wanted his gift. They wanted his talent. And he made the comment saying, if only they knew what it cost me to get here. The hours of devotion to God and to his gift. The hours of study over years 
the money that he spent. The teachings that he had to receive and the education he had to receive. He said, if only they were humble enough to ask what it took him to get there. rather than just wanting to be there. You see, humility shows a servant-heartedness, a servant-heartedness. Humility acknowledges that it's God who is the giver of all gifts, that it's God and His hand on our lives which brings us our success. Humility acknowledges that God's way is perfect. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says, True humility and fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and long life. You know, for Elisha, his season of humbly serving Elijah was preparation for greater things. It was preparation for what God was going to do. And humble service has been the preparation for many men and women of God. Ask God for more. More comes as we humbly serve and allow God to mold our character. As we humble ourselves to receive. preparation ground for many women and men of God throughout scripture and throughout the church even today now I think to humbly serve God creates a hunger and a thirst for more of what God is already doing 